fuck, who's that guy? Yeah, uh, Metro Boomin. All these trap producers are out here and working. They're all young. They're all hungry. They want to give you the best music that they got. And you're just like, oh, no, I can do it. I can do it better than them. And you can't. Yo, what's good? It's your boy, Sapri706. Breeze us on Twitter. This is the Committee po- Podcast, almost a third nation report. We have uh, our usual hosts, Mr. Savage and Marcus Sniffle. Shout out to El Chapa. She's on a PTO right now. So, what's good, y'all? El Chapa could be pregnant right now. Oh, wow. So, let's... She might be on maternity here pretty soon. Getting that uh, quarantine peen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> shout out to El Chapa. Yeah, you know me, AC3 Savage, aka Meet Joe Black on Twitter, checking me live in the ring. <laughs> Is meat spelled like M E A T? Like, like meat? Like, okay, no. come on, man. I want hey, to shirt. Yeah, shout, out to, shout out to Sex Packets. Okay, you know, what's no, good? Shout out to Hezekiah Walker and the other nigga he's battling tonight. What's his name? I don't know. That must be the most, the least promoted battle because I haven't heard a single thing. I've seen a lot about it now. So these gospel niggas be doing their thing. The thing is, is they did it at seven. Like all the other battles. They're playing whole songs too. Like they're not playing. They're playing the whole song. Oh my God. They're playing the whole songs. Jesus. Are they passing out a digital collection plate? That's what I'd like to know. And it's like, hey man, cash app, cash app your ties and offerings. You know what I'm saying? KJ's probably in there crying and weeping, sweating and shit. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. shout out to the young guy, KJ, the Dallas kid. But let's get into this episode right quick. So Marcus has had some sort of beef with J. Cole, apparently. Um, <clears throat> he feels that J. Cole has ruined or wasted his career by not taking advantage of his access to top-tier producers and wanting to kind of put his career in his own hands by, I guess, producing or co-producing uh majority of his projects and uh marcus suggested a mixtape which i highly suggest you check out check out what's it called uh i don't think there's really a name to it i think it's just dj uh what's that nigga name critical hype yeah yeah it's called c-o-l-e it's kind of uh playoff uh the neptune's first cover but essentially it's a mixtape with j cole's uh versus over neptune's productions which sounds really good, but um, I want to see. I want to hear Marcus's takes. I, I have a take on uh, his thoughts on this because I necessarily, I don't necessarily have a problem with J Cole producing his own beats because I think that's something that makes you unique in the rap game where you can, you know, get two pieces of the pie or shit all the pie because you're doing uh, a lot of the heavy lifting. You have to worry about having to outsource to people. You don't have to worry about, you know creative vision because again if you're producing co-producing you kind of can drive what the album or what the song what the track is going to become instead of having like oh we got this guy he's gonna come play the bass line okay this guy's come in you know you don't have a lot of meetings of the mind which i think streamlines the process of you know platinum albums with no features you know what i mean so well let's get marks to stake I, I think having fewer voices and fewer cooks in the kitchen it does streamline the process you know if you're trying to get your album done quick fast not saying he's doing his stuff quick fast and hard but if you want to get it done in a timely manner then yeah do it by yourself but if you want to create greatness if you want to create timeless music it's going to take 
more than one person that figured this out to put this together unless you're prince like prince is really the only artist who does like classic timeless stuff alone maybe stevie wonder also but like all the greats collaborate and they all work together and i i had a take on uh on twitter i haven't really i kind of forgot about it i haven't really fully fleshed it out yet but j cole is like the carmelo anthony of rap music and i i say that because carmelo anthony came in to the nba with a great group of players like lebron james dwayne wade and chris bosh all great players in their own rights like lebron james is obviously on a higher level and you could you could put him as like kendrick or drake whichever one you want you have uh, Dwayne Wade. You could put, you know, Kendrick or Drake or even Wale in that space. But, like, J. Cole has he, – he has yet to reach that God-level status that a Kendrick has lyrically or even a Drake has when we talk about making hits and selling records. But those two artists tend to work with other people. They tend to collaborate more often on their projects, whereas J. Cole, he just stays to himself – does his own thing. He makes really good music. He makes great music, but he's not putting like no one. Well, people will say he has a classic just to say it because it seems like the right thing to say. But I don't think he does. He has a classic mixtape, I think, but a classic album, I don't think he has it. And when you hear him on the Neptune's production, you're kind of like, yo, your beats are not that good. Like you, you can listen to KOD. That's just diet trap beats. Like Mike. Mike Will made it is out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, fuck, who's that guy? Yep, uh, Metro Boomin. All these trap producers are out here and working. They're all young. They're all hungry. They want to give you the best music that they got. And you're just like, oh, no, I can do it. I can do it better than them. And you can't. He says on a song, like, niggas ain't worthy to be on my shit. And then I hear him over Neptune's beat. And I'm like, you know what? No. Maybe you're not worthy to be on high-level production because you're signed to Jay-Z. Jay-Z has the Neptunes on speed dial. He has Just Blaze. He has Kanye West. He has DJ Premier. Uh, I don't know about Just Blaze anymore. It's it's been a while since they've collabed. Well, since since J. Cole has been in the game, he's been signed signed to Rock Nation this entire time. So he has access to these producers that Jay-Z has. So maybe maybe partly it's on Jay-Z also for... For him not pushing J. Cole to be like, hey, I get that you want to, you, I get you have your own vision. I get you want to do your own thing. But at some point, if you want to be great, when it comes to music, you have to branch out. You need other people's ideas. You need other visions. You need other, you need someone else's input because you can't do it on your own. You're Unless you're like a great, great, great writer and a great, great, great producer, it ain't going to happen to you. You're not Tyler, the creator. You're not Big Crit. You're not LP. You're not you're not Royce to five nine who just produced his first album. It sounds better than everything you've ever done. This is his first time producing oh, album. Okay, you're okay. Now you're you're getting a little egregious. You're getting Did you listen you listen to the Royce album? I did. That was really good, right? Yeah, but I mean, with someone like Big Crit, Big Crit, he's a great producer, but like, I, I can't say that he's better than J. Cole. I feel like Big Crit's lane is super southern, super bass driven that type of music like i feel like j cole has a lot more variety kind of like the conversation we had with scott storage versus manny fresh you know so i feel like j cole can do a little bit more production wise than a big crit like i don't i 
I feel like you're being overly critical. Mr. Me being a person that's from the same hometown as Big Craig. I've this I've heard Big Craig every since um I think when I first heard him was like 0203. He's a way better producer than J. Cole. J. Cole is damn near a SoundCloud level producer. That's disrespectful. Like, no, it's that, not. That nigga is that, that is nigga oh close to SoundCloud level. Here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that on um, I think it was his Born Center album, the song with Miguel. Uh, fuck, what's the name of that song? I can't remember the name of the song. It's uh, Power Trip. Power yeah. Trip, yeah. So Power originally, originally, J. Cole was like, I'm going to do the hook on this. I'm just going to sing the hook. I'm going to rap the verse. I'm going to sing the hook, and that's going to be it. He sent it to Jay-Z, and Jay-Z was like, nah, get Miguel on this. Or maybe he didn't suggest Miguel, but he suggested, hey, you have to get someone else to sing this hook. You cannot sing that hook on that song. And J. Cole was just like, all right. Like Jay-Z put his foot down and was like, hey, get someone else on this hook. And Power Trip became one of the bigger songs that wasn't workout for J. Cole. Like it was a popular song. It did numbers. It's a great song. But that was because someone from the outside was like, hey, get someone else on this hook because you can't do this. And that was, and I feel like that was the last time that happened. Like, because after, ever since that day, I think his next album was when he started doing no features, no nothing. And yeah, some of those albums are good. Some of the songs are great. But you can't you you can't do it alone if you want to be great. If you want to be an all time great, you cannot do it alone. And J. Cole is not that. Well, but who who's to say that's his ultimate goal? Like I feel like J. Cole is that's somebody that that's why he's Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony didn't want to team up with LeBron James. He didn't want to team up with Dwayne Wade. He didn't want to team up with Chris Paul. So now he's just a ringless quote unquote like loot like he's a loser to some people. Like I don't consider him a loser. He won he won in college. He's one of the all time great scorers. He's a first ballot Hall of Fame famer. No questions asked. He's probably a top fifty player in the NBA ever. But when we look at his peers, LeBron James has three three rings, probably gonna get another one. Dwayne Wade, three rings. Chris Bosch, three rings. Carmelo Anthony, nothing. He's only been out of the first round once or twice. And he's been in the NBA for almost 20 years. That's who, that's where J. Cole is. And that and that's a fine career. If you stay in the NBA for 15 years, you're a top 50 player. You make, you know, 10 All-Stars, a couple All-NBA scoring titles. That's cool. But do you want to be legendary? Do you want to be Jordan? Do you want to be LeBron? Do you want to be Kobe? Or do you want to be Carmelo? Both are fine. Well, again, I, that's what we got to understand. We got to stop putting... Jay Cole in the conversation with Kendrick because they're not on the same level. I I feel like fast. again we don't we don't I don't, we don't know that that is his goal. Like again, he clearly had a you know an identity issue or crisis or some sort of internal crisis where he went from the clean cut, light skinned you know cookie cutter label guy to a you know some would call a dirty dude with dreadlocks, which he seems much more happier as that dirty guy with dreadlocks and even with his numbers, his numbers are pretty consistent. So he has a consistent fan base. Super consistent. That he's, every album with no features. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's kind of at the end of the day, maybe that is his, uh, his ultimate form of happiness that, Hey, I'm financially sound. My family is happy. I make music that I like, that I appreciate that my fans appreciate and life, life is good. He doesn't necessarily have to be at that, Maybe he doesn't feel happy, happier at that Drake or Kendrick level, which I think it'd be more the Drake is the person that's 
I would say is less happier or has more of an identity issue crisis with all the accents and his ugly dark house and all that stuff. But <laughs> that's another conversation for another day. But I mean, back to the production. So I'm going through what I think is my favorite produced album by him is Born Sinner. Um, and you talk about the production of the album, like Runaway is a great produced track. Power Trip, great produced track. Mm-hmm. Um, what is my other joint? KOD is when I first started being like, okay, you you could have got someone else to do this. Chain and Day. We talked, me and me and Tribbles talked about this like the week it came out. I was just like, this is trap light. This is someone imitating trap music. You could have got a trap producer to do those for you. Well, but I feel like that was maybe part of the, the stick of the album. You know Sound what I'm saying? Bad? To to you, somebody liked it. But I mean, again, I like the verses. I like the song. Some of the songs were redundant, but if you put a level production over his verses, it takes it to another level. Okay, like, but then you I have like, to pay. You have to pay a level dollars for that too. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. Where the money don't come out the air, somebody's got to pay for that. And like you said, J Cole is a consistent seller. He does numbers. When he goes on tour, they sell out. He's not struggling. He's not. He's not what Big Crit was when he was signed to a major label. Like Crit had, pro- they had problems selling him and making money for him. You know what I'm saying? Like now with him being independent, it's probably way harder for him to get high level production. So he has to take his production level to another level. J Cole doesn't have that problem, and I'm not saying that J Cole, maybe like you know, just getting to the to to the point where you can go on tour and have a platinum selling album, maybe that's enough for him, and that's cool. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with someone getting to a point and being like, you know what? I'm good where I'm at. That's and, and honestly, probably 95% of people are like that. 95, 95% of people get to a point in their life where they're like, you know what? I'm making good enough money. I'm happy enough. My house is big enough, like whatever. I'm doing a good enough job and this is it. But then there's that extra, there's that, there's like that 1% of people who push it to the extra extra mile they go a little bit further they take it they push themselves further that's why there's only one michael jordan that's why there's only one kobe bryant one lebron james one shaquille o'neal one jay-z one beyonce one print there's not a lot of those people that do that j cole is a really good rapper but he's not he hasn't set himself apart from every from his peers if anything, he set he set himself apart from his peers in the opposite direction, to the point where he's going backwards. Like Kendrick is pushing himself forward. He's pushing the music forward. He's pushing the boundaries forward. He's taking his lyricism to another level. J. Cole hasn't done that. He's kind of he's got to a level and he's stopped, and that's cool. But when we talk about the okay, greats, you know what I've had enough. Okay, here you're we being go. very disrespectful here to the legend. A legend. <laughs> He's a legend, man. Like, first of all, 2014 Forest Hills Drive, great album, classic. Born Center, if you shorten it by maybe two or three songs, that's another classic, back-to-back. For Your Eyes Only is when I really started to say, okay, the production is trash here. Like, But, you know, like I said before, Kendrick Lamar had had trash in his bag, too. So it kind of is what it is. Everybody puts out a dud every now and again, but to disrespect the man by calling him Carmelo Anthony, like, come on, dude. Carmelo Anthony out of the league for two years. J. Cole is is a hot rapper. Like, when his projects come, 
niggas is buzzing about it. Like they, they're waiting for it. He's got that I'm, uncut. I'm a big J. Cole fan. I love J. Cole's music. Every time his songs come out, I listen, I, I listen to that Dreamville album. I listened, I have all his mixtapes on my phone. I bought every album of his up until I think uh KOD. I I'm a fan of J. Cole. I love J. Cole's music. But I'm not gonna sit here and say that he's a top top tier rapper. He's not. He's not that. Or he doesn't make top tier music because he's trying to do it alone and he can't the do it. Storytelling, the lyricism, uh, the growth as an artist, it's all there. Like he is. K- KOD was a little bit of a dud too to me, but it was okay. Um, I think I, I discussed this with somebody a few days ago. Like it's like that's another one where when I come back, I'm just like, oh, whatever. but it, it was an okay album. Don't put this, don't Carmelo this man. Okay. Carmelo Anthony is a Hall of Fame player. He's a top 50 player ever. He's our most decorated Olympian ever when it comes to basketball. Like, there's not a lot of players better than Carmelo Anthony, but he's also not on the level of Dwayne Wade or LeBron James. J. Cole is a better rapper than Kendrick Lamar. Bullshit. Okay. No. So, <laughs> no. So, J. Cole, J. Cole had to get on a song with Future to get a, a, a Grammy. Oh, no, no, not future. Young Thug. He needed Young Thug to carry him. Yo, the London bangs, though. Like, he really? ruined that shit, dog. It's like, amazing how how great he sounds when he's working with other people. Imagine if he did an album like that where he collaborated with people. Imagine what he could do. Look, so J. Cole is he is exercising, a, you know, some uh, Greek philosophy, right? There is a term that Aristotle defined as true happiness was called a uh, eudaimonia? Damn, I think I pronounced that shit all wrong, but whatever. Yeah, that shit sounds like a venereal disease. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But pretty much what that means is that you're living a life that makes you happy, that you are truly flourishing, which I believe that he is doing that. So again, that. that is true happiness to him. I agree then, with him. Then God bless. You know, that we, I can't be mad at him for that. And as fans, I guess we can want more. But I mean, that's that's not our that's not our place. You know what I'm saying? I think my issue is more so with the fans and with you know music writers and people that give opi- opinions on it. To where it's like, oh well, you have to mention J Cole with Kendrick and Drake, and it's like, no, you don't. You can mention him with Big Crit and Big Sean and Wale and Nicki Minaj, but comparing him to Ch- Kendrick, no, Drake, no, he's not there. He's not, and that's fine. If he's happy where he's at, I'm not mad at him because I'm I'm probably like that. I'm more of like you know I'm doing good. I'm chilling. I'm gonna just do what I gotta do. I'm gonna do what makes me happy, and that's fine. Everybody don't want to work hard. You know what I'm saying? I've read I've read you 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 recommended that uh that book that uh, uh Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's trainer wrote. That, that was you that recommended oh, that book. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've read that. That shit is hard. Yeah, shit that Michael Jordan did. That shit is not easy. That's why he's Michael Jordan and no one else is. There's a, there's a reason why Kendrick is Kendrick. There's a reason why uh, Marvin Gaye is Marvin Gaye. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a reason because they put in that extra work, that extra, extra work to be great. And everybody don't want to do that. So, again, sorry for my mispronunciation. The word is eudaimonia. It is uh, the committee word of the week, apparently. So, yeah, that's where J. Cole is at. That is a level that many people strive for. And there might be people that have more money or, you know, more hoes or more cars, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're happy. So to kind of pivot off that, talking about the work that, you know, 
superior athletes like Michael Jordan put in and uh, Kobe Bryant. Uh, well, let's talk about the last dance a little bit. Oh, shoot. No, let me go back to my point. So I think you're being harsh before we uh, transition on J. Cole a bit with the uh, Neptune's production. Because, again, like you're listening to J. Cole over like the hits of the Neptunes. Like, again, anybody's going to sound good over you don't have to call or, you know, uh, damn, what, any any hits you can think of for real. I just went blank real quick. Wait, I know the, the, ones that stood out for, the, the songs that stood out for me was No Role Models over Hot in Here, Serenade over Southern Hospitality, The Green Ranger over You Don't Have to Call, and More Money over Allure. Like, those are the ones that stood out to me. But that's, again, but those, it, it's easy to say that because those are monumental hits. And I was talking to Adolphus about that earlier. I, I don't think it's the same thing where, like, he actually, to me, those became, like, his songs. Unlike, with, like, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne would do mixtapes where I would generally think those Lil Wayne songs, and I'd hear the songs, I'm like, oh, shit, he didn't do that. Yeah. So it's hard to judge no based off. It. Yeah, it's hard to judge based off the peak production of an artist. Not saying that Pharrell couldn't deliver that, but... I mean, Fro has some duds. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I understand that, but when we also talk about the top tier level rappers, we talk about the JCs. He's worked with top level producers. Nas, not at the beginning, but a little bit towards the end, he worked with high level producers. Kendrick Lamar has worked with high level producers. J Cole has not done that, and I, I and this is for the people listening. If you had to rank J Cole as just a producer. Not a producer rapper, just a producer. Is he a top 10 producer? This is a rhetorical question. If you think he's a top 10 producer, then just let him cook. Because that's that's the only way that you can go and be great by producing your own music. Like Kanye West, he can do that. He's a top 10 producer. Produce your own music and go and go and be great. J. Cole, in my opinion, he's not a top 10 producer. So what you need to do is get top 10 producers to produce songs for you. Yeah, I don't. I hope there's nobody listening to this that thinks J. Cole's a top 10 producer. Well, J. Cole thinks he's a top 10 producer. <laughs> I mean, he's a top 10 rapper, so, you know. Well, anywho. In, in 2020. Well, you know, we're going to do a different pivot since you brought up Kanye West. So apparently, uh, Kanye West is now a uh, billionaire, according to uh, Forbes magazine. Now, there's a bit of beef about what type of billionaire he is with a B. Um, Kanye claims he's worth 3.3 billion, but Forbes apparently has a 45 rule that whatever you are valuing yourself at, just divide it by three and then start from there. Cause apparently 45 valued himself in a number and they did research and it was a third of what he said he was worth. So it, it was very interesting. I uh, read the article a little bit. Um, I mean, even though he's canceled, you know, we'll still talk about it a little bit because as a, an artist that is, not, not even as an artist, just a, a human being in general. Reaching a net worth of a billion dollars is something only few of us, like not us, but like people ever reach that that uh, pinnacle. Just how we were talking about Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Like it's that shit ain't that shit is hard. Like if it was easy to make a billion dollars, there'd be more than like a handful of billionaires. If that made sense. So and that kind of reinforces to me and what it should reinforce to the other rappers or artists or entertainers that there's not that much money in rap, right? Like as legendary as a producer and creator of classic albums and musics and songs that Kanye is, 
like out of that billion, only about, and it, and it sounds crazy to say only, but only 90 million of that is tied into his music. You know what I'm saying? Which is great, but you know, they're look, look at the Jay Z's, look at Dr. Dre's, look at guys knocking on the door like Puffy. Like you have to be able to do other things outside of just rap and produce. You got to be able to expand. And many have tried that, but he is one of the, you'd probably say one of the rare success stories after having issues with debt and mental illnesses and controversy to reach that status of a quote unquote billionaire. So this article is interesting. I feel like this article is definitely uh, left leaning because there's a lot of talk about, uh, I guess, 45 being his political idol, even though like, like, come on, guys, it's kind of like kind of shitting on 45 and yay at the same time. But that's what gets you clicks. So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, shout out to Kanye West for uh, collecting that billionaire bag. I honestly never thought Kanye West would be a billionaire ever. Like, I didn't think I didn't think he had the business savvy that Jay-Z has to, like, get to that point. Because it does take that. And I think I think him being married to a Kardashian helps. Uh, build up that brand and that that money and that marketing and all that stuff. But I remember I read something about when he was doing uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy in Hawaii and they were working on it, working on songs and working on, you know, beats or whatever. And then like a pizza guy would walk in, deliver a food delivery person would just walk in and might mention something or might say, oh, I like that. And he would just give that guy a production credit and give him some money. So I'm like, if you're just handing out money like that, we are that reckless. Not I won't say reckless, but he would just kind of hand out money like that. Like if you if you gave any type of insight or or product like any type of credit to something, he would just pay that off. He was he was one of those guys where he did not care how much it cost as long as the art was good, as long as the art was great, he was willing to pay for it. And to reach billionaire status, it's pretty hard to do it if you're that type of person. Not that I would know. <laughs> Hashtag broke five broke when you got it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it, it shows the, the evolution of his sneakers. I mean, he's been pretty consistent. I mean, 2009, he put up the Air Easy Ones, which is an extremely rare and popular shoe. Like, just off the top of my head, to get either one of the Air Yeezys is going to run you at least $5,000. Are those the, Ni- those the Nike ones? Yeah. Yeah, Nike dropped the ball by letting him go. They dropped the ball. I, I think they dropped well, the ball. But see, that's one, of, that's, that's one of the things. Like He's one of the people that believed in himself and believed that his value was more than what Nike was trying to give him. Yep. And like, you know what? Fuck you. Take a hike. Kick, hit, kick, 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 kick rocks. And yep. he kick rocks to a billionaire. Uh, 2015, he dropped the the Yeezy Boost 350s, 2015 Yeezy Boost 750s, 2016 the Yeezy Boost 350 V2s, 2017 the Yeezy Power Phases, which is a pretty cheap shoe. It's probably like the most reasonably priced you can get, like even on the resale market. It's a pretty basic shoe, but I mean, it just has his name attached to it. So, um, also in 2017, the Yeezy Boost 700. 2018 the easy 500 2019 the easy boost 700 v2 and 2019 the easy boost 500 so he's just like with this production you know what i'm saying five beats a day for you know what was it six summers or something like that you know he's he's consistent with putting in the work and, and you're not even talking about his clothes either well nobody else is talking about his clothes unless they're slandering him but i mean <laughs> it's one of those things that he he has a passion for 
yeah, that's one of the things he has a passion for. And that's, that's, I kind of think that's everybody's ultimate dream is to actually, you know, get paid for your passion. You know what I'm saying? He gets to do that. And it actually is something that people like, because as soon as the music drops, whether we're in the damn global pandemic, them shit sell out. So, you know, he's doing something right. So shout out to white people for copping all the Yeezys for sure. <sighs> the white sneakerheads of America. Yeah, man. Shout out to all the white sneakerheads, dog. All the hype beasts out there. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Buying shoes just because, you know, their favorite wrestler bought them or their favorite late night host bought them, not knowing any of the history behind them or not even really caring about them or just being able to have access to the, the resources to purchase them because your people have money. That does not make you a sneakerhead. That just makes you privileged. But anywho, speaking of sneakers, let's transition back finally to the last dance documentaries so as we're recording this parts three and four are airing so we'll talk about those next week but um i just want to get y'all's initial thoughts on the documentary Uh, i definitely learned quite a bit it was very interesting um to me it kind of humanized michael jordan a bit and it i feel like it answered some of the questions about maybe his uh his personality traits and I think it definitely answered questions for me of why he dresses so bad. But we'll start with Mr. Savage. What do you, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, it was it was something that's well done. Um, it was definitely much needed during these times since we do have you know a global pandemic going on. It's like to like that's must see TV. I don't care whether you love them or you hate them. Uh, it leads to multiple debates about different things. So definitely glad that it was able to be dropped. Um, definitely for me answered a lot of questions the first two because during the beginning of the Michael Jordan run like you know everybody on this podcast we were either not born or barely conceived or anything like that so just to kind of go back and really know the history I mean I know we can go back and you know look at Wikipedia or whatever YouTube but just to actually see that like um, to go back to that Celtics game where he dropped 63 on Bird and whoever else was there. He just was cooking everybody uh, just to see how he took the league by storm. Um, and, like, you really get a chance to just see just how big he was in the 90s. I mean, I know we haven't gotten too deep into the series, but, like, Michael Jordan was – everything to some people like i would even say there's a large group of people that were introduced to basketball because he was so big like i don't even think niggas was really rocking basketball shoes like that until he came with with the jordans and stuff like that and just the whole like when you can see them transitioning from the really tight coochie cutter shorts back to the super baggy, like, cool baller shorts that we still wear now, the guy just meant everything to basketball. He meant everything to sports. Like, if you were around in that time, you'd recognize he was the unquestioned most popular person, not just an athlete, not an artist, not a president, not a dictator, not anything. He was the most popular person in the world. He was a black man. That could fly. He was called Black Jesus for a reason. And I mean, just watching it, like I tell people every day now I wake up and listen to the Chicago Bulls intro music because that shit was just fierce. Like 
I don't know if you guys had like WGN, like where you guys are, are from, but like all of his games were on TV. They were on WGN, and you'd hear that music come on, and you knew some team was about to get their ass whipped. So that's just my thoughts. They're doing a really good job with it. I can't wait to watch episodes three and four and really dive deep in it. Of course, I'm going to circle back around with more thoughts, but I'll go ahead and kick it over to you, Marcus. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me is uh, them showing the ego of the front office guy, uh, Jerry Krause. Because, I mean, today in sports, we always talk about, like, the Odell Beckhams, the, I don't know, the even LeBron James, the look-at-me players. They're not team guys, and they're, they have too much ego. You can't win with them. And it's like... It, it was it was refreshing to see that from the other side to see a front office person who's just like you know what I found Phil Jackson I drafted Michael Jordan I draft I traded for Scottie Pippen I signed Tony Kukoc I traded for Dennis Rodman I built this team I can do this without Phil Jackson I can do this without Scottie Pippen I can do this without Michael Jordan and I and it, it was cool and. I don't want to say it was cool to see it because ultimately that's what tore that team apart. But it is kind of cool to see like a guy who you don't have to like the guy. Like he's not a likable person, but at the end of the day, he was great at his job. It, it doesn't take much to draft Michael Jordan. Anybody could have did that except the Portland Trailblazers apparently, but it didn't like Phil Jackson wasn't on anybody's radar when he hired him. Phil Jackson was a nobody. And Jerry Krause hired him. It was like, I want you to lead Michael Jordan. He traded for Scottie Pippen. Other some other team picked him. And he probably Scottie Pippen would have had a fine career, but Jerry was like, No, I want that guy. I want Dennis Rodman. I want this foreigner from Europe, Tony Kukoc. I want that guy. I want Horace Grant. I want Dennis Rodman. Like he built, he built, he's 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 the guy that was there for all those championships also. It wasn't just Jordan. Jordan didn't do it on his own. It was Jordan, Pippen, Phil Jackson, Jerry Krause. He gets, he should get some credit, and I, I, I get it. You're the guy who signed all these players. You're the guy who hired all these coaches, and nobody thinks that you're worth a shit. Like, we're, we're just getting to the point where people are like, yeah, Scotty deserves some credit for those championships too. Like, those championships happened almost 30 years ago, and we're just now getting around to being like, yeah, yeah, but he ain't win without Scotty. Before, it was just Michael, 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 Michael. Now we're coming around saying, yeah, you got to give Scotty some credit. Scotty was a dog. Scotty was a beast. He did all this, this, and that. We're, I, don't, I don't know how long it's going to take before people just regularly give Jerry Cross credit for those championships. I don't know if it'll ever happen, honestly. Well, yeah. But the thing with so I think that people that are aware of basketball, like they will give Scotty his credit. But again, that just proves to the the how big of a monster that Michael Jordan was as far as engulfing the conversation of everything. You know what I'm saying? But um, with the whole Jerry Krause thing, that was one thing that I learned about this documentary um, <clears throat> is that. I mean, he's a, he's a dickhead. Like, again, I get it that he does get his share of the credit, right? Cool. And, and that might be to the whole mentality that Jordan, people like Jordan or the Kobe's have or, you know, those type of alpha males. But at a certain point, 
you have to be able to get out of your own way. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, it seemed that he refused to get out of his own way. You know what I'm saying? Like you almost broke up a second three-peat over your ego. You know what I'm saying? You told them like, hey, this coach that has won us five rings, he's gone after this year. For what? For what? Because yeah. you weren't getting some credit? Like fall back, man. Like, and maybe because back in those days, those cats were getting compensated like they are now, which maybe is part of the reasons. I clearly saw the car he was walking to. It was like Cadillac. Like, it was super basic. You know, maybe back in the day, it was a high-end Cadillac. It didn't look like it. He wasn't pulling up in a vet like like Jordan was. You know what I'm saying? So maybe back in the day, credit was one of the things that, that made him feel like he was getting his just due. Where nowadays, you're just compensated and you just fall back and chill the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? Like that that'd be wild mismanagement for something like that to happen in this era, in my opinion. It's it's easy to say that when it's it's not you. You know what I'm saying? When you're not the person that's not getting the credit that you think you deserve. And I think if he if he had his way, he probably would have been able to bring another championship to to Chicago if he would have done the things that he wanted to do, because I think after the it was after I think it was after the three peat, or maybe it was before the fourth ring where he wanted to trade Scottie Pippen for Trace McGrady. Like, if he does that, and you know, it's it's obviously an alternate timeline where Trace McGrady stays healthy, but then you have like an heir to Jordan, like you have someone to learn and do whatever under Jordan. And now when Jordan leaves, now you got Trace McGrady to kind of be the guy and kind of you know build around. And you got to think that he would have been able to build around a guy like Tracy McGrady. But, I mean, if you look at any champion, any most dynasties fall apart not because the teams weren't good enough. It's usually ego. It's usually, well, I'm not getting enough credit. I'm not getting enough shots. I'm not getting enough touches. I'm not getting enough money. Like, those those are the things that break up championships usually. So this is kind of – and I don't think Jerry, – Jerry Cross doesn't make it in today's NBA because you need relationships – you have to like these players right now have so much power. So if you're one of those guys who's addicted to players, who's just like, oh well, this is my way, my way or the highway, you're not gonna get anybody because these players talk to each other, and they'll and your name will get out, and you won't get any, you won't get a single free agent ever. The people you draft will be gone. Well, it's kind of like he wanted to be all up in the video. They said he'd be in the locker room after games. Like that's something they said does not happen in this day and age. Like. I understand that. I'd want credit but, too. But that that shows that he has, like they were saying, documentary, like that little man syndrome. Like That's if true. you if you have that type of confidence, it's like, yo, I did this. Like you gotta have that type of swag to like, yo, dog, like you gotta make people respect you. You can't be out here acting like a clown. And the whole the whole situation, as you saw in like episode two, the way that they were managing Scottie Pippen's contract, even though it was a horrible contract that he signed, but I get it. It kind of ties to the, the social um, socioeconomic issues with, you know, African-Americans that, you know, once you get a little bit something, you feel like you got to get what you can get to take care of your family. Cause I mean, his family situation was crazy. I think they said he had like 12 brothers and sisters. His dad was in a wheelchair. His brother was in a wheelchair. You know what I'm saying? They're from a poor part of Arkansas and I get it. You got to secure the bag for your family, but Again, this in this modern age, you're going to have the personality to be like, okay, cool. This is a horrible contract for essentially one of the linchpins of my team. Like, you got to take care of your people. It, it seems like he had good management skills, but bad leadership people skills. 
Because that, that's you know what? You know, kind of, Hater man. You know, you know this reminds me of in a sense. And we'll see how this pans out. But it's almost like we don't know what Bill Belichick has done or his reason for, you know, letting Tom Brady go. But it's in a sense, it's kind of like that. Like everybody that we know he doesn't talk to the media and stuff like that. But people around the Patriots kind of feel like his goal now is to prove, hey, I can, I'm a, such a great coach, great GM. I can win one without Tom. Like I, I'm bigger than Tom. The team's bigger than Tom. And that's why he let him walk away. I mean, now, of course, you know, we all watch football. Tom is starting to take a little step back or so. But I mean, you, you let him go with no backup plan. Like um, I was just kind of reading over some of the things. Now he didn't, Jordan came out in 84. He came to team in 85. Um, and they said that they, from day one, bumped heads about players that he wanted compared to who um, Jordan wanted. Like, they were talking about uh, this one player um, from back in the day. I'm going to grab his name really quick. And they were like, uh, Jordan wanted them to draft a guard Duke. And he wanted Brad Sellers across uh, it. And they were like, when, you know, they were supposed to take Dawkins, Phil Jackson, even, I mean, I'm sorry, Doug Collins even confirmed it to uh, Coach K that, hey, we're going to take Dawkins. And they took Sellers and they was like, Jordan would break this man every practice. Like, he'd go in there and drop 30 on him, 40 on him, trash talk him, run him out of the gym, just bully the dude. And he only lasted in the league for six years. And they named some other stuff that um, that he drafted and and such like the uh, trading away of Charles Oakley and different stuff like that, which was, of course, Jordan's best friend. Of course, the references to crumbs and, you know, which was Jordan's nickname for Krause. I think one thing that does kind of get swept under the rug a bit is you get to see that Jordan was really an asshole. Like he was basically he was the best player in the world early on. He knew it like he had that LeBron type of presence back in the eighties. Like when he was just uh, a few years in the lead, I feel like no, cause he was that. saying, Hey, I don't want this player. I want this. I don't want this play that everything came through him. Now they didn't make the final decisions through him. And that's why he became mad irate with the team. But even like the final championship, like, let's be honest. If there's no two retirements in the decade of the nineties, they would have won nine championships. They would have won nine championships. They would have won the three. They would have beat the Rockets twice. They would have beat the Spurs. They would have won nine straight championships with you that gonna, team. You, you, you think it, it is very, it is extremely hard to go to the finals that many times and win while also playing uh, with Team USA. Like, it's extremely hard. It's mentally draining. Like, even in the documentary, they're saying after their fifth championship, a lot of people, a lot of them were just drained, and they had a two-year break in between that. That's very tough to do. It's physically demanding to to have to get up to go to nine. Like, that's never happened before. No team has ever won nine straight championships. And I, I think they could have won nine straight. That's, that's, not, that's not how – I don't think sports works that way, right? You gotta, you gotta. Think I don't like, sure either, but I mean, in the the shortened season of '99, that '98 team was way better than the '99 Knicks, and they were better than the Spurs in '99. I think they could have went toe to toe. Actually, I think they could have beat Houston in '94. It might have been a stretch in '95. Not sure, 
But I just felt like it, if there was no breaks in between, Jordan would have got it done, man. Once they got rolling, that team was hard to beat. Like they two year break, you come right out the gate that next season after the you know 30, 40 games he played, you win 72 games. Dominant, you know what I'm saying? No, nobody can touch that team. Just you're also adding obliterated. You're also adding another like almost like another hundred plus games onto your body. So many extra more minutes, possible injuries. Like even when they got to the before the uh the '98 season, Scottie Pippen was hurt. He missed a lot of that season because he was hurt. Like he did it on purpose. But go ahead. Yeah, he was being an asshole. I mean, he was. Yeah. Ever- Earlier. He, he was also hurt in that finals, though, in the final series. Like, I, I'm sure they'll get to it, but yeah. during the game in the finals, he was actually – he was hurt also. So it's just like mm-hmm. – you just get, like, everybody thought the Golden State Warriors were going to win three straight championships with Kevin Durant on the team, but he got hurt. You put in a lot of games, you put in a lot of minutes. It, 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 like, basketball is a physical sport. It's not as physical as it used to be, but you think about how it was back then and how, like – training and like sports medicine isn't as advanced as it is now like it it, it would have taken a toll on their bodies like they're not they're not this isn't nba 2k we can just you know turn fatigue off and just play <laughs> you know playing player starters the entire game you know what i'm saying like they're you kind of see it too though because like and on the part one documentary, if you watch the, the part where it shows Robin in the gym, like he's kind of like rubbing his knees, like the scene where Michael Jordan's in the gym shooting free throws, like, or even when he's walking, he just walks like he's just like, yo, my body is, I've been you through it. I mean, you could see it. And you got to think, they didn't win their first championship until he was in the league for what, like almost eight years? Seven years. Yeah, that's, that's crazy to think about with him being so great that it took that long for them to actually break through that glass ceiling of becoming champions. But I I kind of get it. I mean, again, you do what you want when you're popping. When you clearly are the best player on the team, you turn their arena that was getting outsold by like bootleg soccer teams to the must-see ticket. Yeah, when you got to the must-see ticket in town, like kind of like the Jerry Krause thing. Like when you know you're the man, you can act like that. And he he backed it up. You know what I'm saying? Like he if he was out here like getting shitted on, I'm like, all right, Mike, you need to chill out, but he he he'll call you short. He'll he'll pick on you like it is what it is. Like, you know, you gotta be able to power up to him, man. But I think the whole Scotty Pippen situation, like as a man, you can only take so much. Like when they're smiling in your face and then behind your back, they're like, oh, we're about to get rid of you. We don't need you. Like you, as a man, you can only take so much. I can understand why he was like, yo, doc, fuck you, Krause, doc. Like, I'll fuck with you. I'm, I'm getting the surgery late. I don't care. I don't want to play here no more. But that's bad business, though. In retrospect, that's bad business. I don't remember. Fuck my 3P. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it is it bad business to say, you know what? Scottie Pippen is an older player. I can get a younger wing, probably cheaper for Scottie Pippen. Is that bad business? I don't think that's bad business. I think the way I think the way he thinks about it, the way he's trying to get was Tracy McGrady. I, I understand he wouldn't have been like the Magic or the Houston Tracy McGrady, but in retrospect, if they made that trade, that would have been a good ass get. Like he he ended up being a really good player. So, you know, I mean, sometimes things happen, but I mean the W. I get where Scott is coming from because it's like 
to me, when you give your all to something, your blood I understand he signed a contract, but it's like, come on, I'm I'm the number 122nd highest paid player in the league. You signed me for seven years, $18 million. Okay, okay hold on. Everybody told him not to sign that deal. Like his agent said, don't Look, sign it. Was hard, man. Man. You got to do it. Like, let's get Scotty's got to take the L, bro. Scotty, everybody told Scotty. Everybody told Scotty not to sign that, and he signed it anyway. That's Scotty's fault. Don't blame everybody else. Scottie. I'm just saying, the man, the man. <laughs> Hey, all of his life, he had to fight. And you know, I get man. it. I get it. I get I understand. This man grew five inches in the summer, and this dream he had to become an NBA player started to look like a reality. It's like, damn, I would have made it. I can get my people out the hood. Like, it again, like you said, the same thing with the crowd situation. It's, it's easy to say from here, you know, from the committee studio. But when you're like, damn, I'm a poor kid from Arkansas. I didn't actually think I'd make it this far. And somebody throws a bunch of M's in your face, you're like, fuck it, dog. Seven years, I'll worry about that in seven yeah, years. Two years later, Jordan comes back, and you kind of feel like, look, I understand I'm the Batman and his Robin, but hey, when he won, we still made it to the semifinals. Um, I still got MVP votes for the All-Star game. I mean, granted, I didn't have the killer instinct Jordan had, but I proved like I upped every stat that I had. I was a good player. He's making 30 million to me making 2.2 million. Like and Jordan didn't even need the 30 because he was making so much off his shoes. I mean, now granted, Scotty had a contract with Nike too, but and he did have a hot shoe in the night, like a few of them. Three actually. But it's it's like, come on, dude. Like, I can't get 15 if he's getting 30. Like, give me 10, give me something. Like, I know I screwed up on this long, terrible contract. But help a nigga out. They get a nigga some crap. How many people gotta tell him not to sign that contract? Like Scotty's a grown man. You had plenty of people smarter than you tell you not to sign it, but you signed it. Anyway. Right. Somebody came to me right now and was like, look, you got to sell your soul. We'll give you $2 million for 30, 30 years of work with one million. <laughs> I'm so broke, I'll do it, okay? I'll be like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Okay, but then if, but if, a, if a year later someone comes to me and offers me Thirty million for twenty years of my life. You can't be like, "Hey, bro, hey, change my contract." Like you signed that contract, bro. Like you gotta eat that. <laughs> well, hopefully we get a get some more answers in these next episodes. But it's it's definitely been interesting. It's uh, been great seeing all the retro sneakers that people covet these days. But um, kind of want to pivot to. So apparently, Marcus he has a problem with being current with like HBO shows. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's he's still he's in like the one percent of the population that hasn't seen Game of Thrones, and now he has just recently discovered Euphoria. Oh, I just want to get his initial his initial takes on what I think was one of the better shows of the uh, that HBO has put out. Shout out to my my boo bear Zendaya with her, you know, thick thighs and hips and dips. You know what I mean? You know, how is your boy? <laughs> Let me make you a sandwich, bae. Extra mayonnaise. Oh my god! Yeah, this show is fucking crazy, and uh, I think it really uh, shines a light on the uh, pill problem that we have in this country because that's where a lot of these problems came up in. Like I'm, I'm only on. I finished episode four today, and just how she gets, how she becomes an addict. It's literally like. 
she took a pill from a sick person that was in her house. And it's just like, it just, you spiral out of control from there. Like everybody talks about how, oh, weed is the gateway drug. Weed is going to lead you to smoking crack and doing lines and smoking meth and, you know, taking ecstasy and all this other stuff. And it's just like, no, it starts when you get your wisdom teeth pulled and they give you a bunch of pills to take, a bunch of pain pills to take. Now you're addicted to that. And now you start taking these other pills and now you're just on a whole nother wave. And I think this is one of the, uh, I think it's fairly, I don't want to say it's super realistic because I'm not in high school right now, but they are touching on a lot of things that other um, shows about high schoolers are talking about as far as like, you know, there's, there's a girl who's starting to get, a little bit of attention online and at the beginning she didn't like that attention but once she saw that certain people were like hey i want some more of that content now she's feeling more empowered to be like all right well now i'm going to start doing this online and now you got these you know weirdos who want to be her cash pig and some of us like i forgot Damn. it was hbo i forgot it was hbo first i saw that scene i was like yo she what? was the pioneer. She's a pioneer. She got OnlyFans popping. Like, that yes, was, exactly. That was the blueprint for OnlyFans. Like, That's exactly what that is. Same fucking thing. I was like, it, that that was an interesting term. But I mean, that the the main thing about Euphoria that that caught my attention is like, man, I'd hate to raise kids now because there's some wild shit going on. <laughs> like, yeah. and you, who knows what's gonna happen? Like, tape videos are floating around school. Like, it's nothing. People doing drugs, wild parties. Like. Oh my god, like it's out of control. Out of control. Like yeah. and we didn't even touch on the, the transgender lady. Well, they didn't even like and that was one thing that kind of that kind of stood out to me where they didn't like they didn't really make it a big deal. Like they they showed one well, it's not really a spoiler, but they showed one like at the beginning when they first introduced her, they show her taking like a shot. But they don't really explicitly say like, hey, this is a hormone shot for her to be, you know, more feminine or whatever to, you know, testosterone blockers. They didn't really specifically state that towards the beginning. It was just kind of like either you knew or you didn't know. And for some people, it took to that uh, to her episode where they kind of explained her backstory to be like, oh, well, that's what it is. It wasn't a thing where like, hey, everybody. This is a transgender person. Let's talk about this. You know, they didn't do that at the beginning. They just kind of, just kind of ease you into a lot. They they just make her seem like a regular character, like everybody's regular until they dive into their backstories. But it's a really good show. It's really uh, uh well directed, and I, I think the very first episode, like the way it's shot and the and the color schemes and all that stuff, the cinematography. I don't think they've topped the first episode yet, but I think the first episode because it's a pilot you have to put like your best foot forward for it to get like, you know, to get more episodes, but you know, Hey, shout out to the six guy, man. That's his show. He put in all that work. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Drake doing his thing. I'm euphoria. Putting in that work. <laughs> Anywho. I, I need to know what he was responsible for on the show. I need to know. I need to know what input he has on the show. What did he do? Yeah, so shout out to uh, Hunter Schaefer, who plays Jules on the show. She's actually my favorite character, and she's actually transgender in real life, which I did not know until I did some research. I thought it was just somebody playing somebody as transgender, but she's actually like a model, too, like a very good model. So I think as of now, she might be the only likable character on that show. Not a, uh, From where I'm at, from being on episode four, 
right now she's the only likable character. Like everybody else is kind of like, okay, you're kind of, I don't like you. You're just, ugh. Just like I would not want to hang out with you. Nobody is likable on that show except Jules. Yeah. So, but uh, we got a couple more things, but we can we can save those for the next episode. Uh, about to hit the hour mark. Uh, yeah, got any shout outs as we wrap up? Yeah, man. Just don't pop pills, man. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away from the pill. If you can't, like, if you absolutely have to, then I guess you got to. But if you can, if you can get by without popping pills, man, don't do it. Don't do it. It ain't worth it. I mean, if you've never done it before, it's actually not that bad. But um, oh, anyway, I like to. What? It's a drug-free podcast. Okay. No, we don't. This is X-free, X-free podcast. But anyway, so it's, it's a pretty good drug. Um, but yeah, just want to give a shout out to, uh, you know, the crew. Um, everybody always supports. Uh, so shout out to El Chapa as always, uh, holding it down for the ladies of the podcast. Um, I want to give a shout out to its triples, um, my little honey boo bear, thick, light skinned Atlanta Falcons queen herself. Uh, I get stiffy for Giffy, you know what I'm saying? That's how. I do it. <laughs> oh Shout out to you. Uh, shout out to the Sex Packets, as always. Uh, shout out to Marcus for coming through last night on the Sex Packets and not to my house. Uh, no power top here. Please get a DM with the gay shit. I mean, you know, like, y'all are cool, this, this, but this just is stop. A sex positive podcast. I mean, but it is it your is, prerogative. Like, y'all seen that thing that I sent the, the other day. Like, yeah. it's getting ridiculous, man. Like, hey, man, you put out them power top like, lines, Who are bro. you? Like, why are you following but shout out to all y'all. Much love. Uh, you know, three years three years strong, the committee podcast, uh, number one podcast for the streets. Um, thanks to uh Karanda who put me on the boondock. Damn, hold on. Back shots and bongs podcast. Um, thank you for the compliment. She said, you know, she really loves our podcast, loves the fact that we interact with the people with a podcast for the people. Um, you know, shout out to any any podcast I've ever been on. Thanks to South Breeze for you know looking me up, giving me the opportunity to come through. Uh, this is Mighty Joe Young, and I'm out. Joe Black, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is uh, South Breeze seven hundred six. It's community podcast. We out. Peace. Oh shit! I forgot to press exit. Okay. <laughs>